Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by burnout, and you know what that means. It's time for a Buy the Book mini episode. Woohoo! That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by Amelia Nagoski and Emily Nagoski. Uh, Jolenta, we got so many letters. Oh my gosh. So many of you are burnt out. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And um, just a reminder, this was the most voted for book that 
we have uh, ever lived by, I believe. And this was the debut episode of our season of listeners choosing our books. So a lot of you feel a very special investment in this, and we really love that you do. So let's start off with this first letter, shall we, Jolenta? Let's do it. And we're going to start just with listeners who voted for it, most likely. Uh, Sarah says, I read this a few years ago, and I was sobbing reading the first chapter. It was exactly how I was feeling. The advice and understanding in the book helped me so much to ask for help and take the time I need to survive. I've bought it for a bunch of friends now, and they've said the same thing. Mm, Sarah, yes. I think sometimes reading a book, it's not even about, um, you know, what steps are in there, what science is in there. Sometimes it's just about, is this book making me feel seen? Is it naming the thing that I'm going through? Is it validating? And you aren't alone, Sarah. Lots and lots and lots of people wrote in to say exactly that. This book made them feel seen. All right. Molly, who also loved the book, says, I'm not sure if I would have gotten the guts to leave my job, which was causing 95% of my burnout without this book. It somehow clicked in a way that no other book or podcast or TED Talk ever had. I cried when I read it and felt I was finally able to give myself permission to take steps to start healing. I have a ways to go, but I am so much better. Mm, mm, mm. I love it when a book we live by has sort of catapulted a listener into a huge life shift. Those are my favorites. Like when we got that famous Marie Kondo letter where she was like, I cluttered out my husband. (laughs) I uncluttered my husband. (laughs) I dumped him. Yeah. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. no longer sparked joy. (laughs) And to hear like, I read a book about burnout, was able to identify what was totally burning me out and, like, make steps to actually change that burnout cycle. Like, ah, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Yes. Congratulations, Molly. Huge congratulations. Let's move on to this letter from Anna, who says... The completing the stress cycle part of the book was the most useful to me, knowing that even if I can't fix the thing causing the stress, I could still learn to get through the stress and feel better was so helpful. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's all we need to do is like, how can I get through this moment? How can I get through these feelings? And yeah, Anna, a lot of people wrote in to say the same thing, that it was all about completing the stress cycle for them. Mm -hmm. And that's why they loved this book. So many people agree with you, Anna. Totally. Um, a lot of people also wrote in to say they just loved the vocabulary of the book. The vocabulary spoke to them. Uh, For example, Lisa says, I suffer from human giver syndrome. That's one of the vocabulary terms from the book. I've always thought it came from my mom's people-pleasing example. She always just wanted everyone to be happy, and I have a really hard time when I even sense that someone in my world is reacting negatively to something I'm doing. I feel like I have to be a constantly present mom with a happy and well-adjusted child. Uh, LOL, I have a 12-year-old, definitely not possible. (laughs) Like, I have to make dinner. Like, I have to be doing a better job of keeping my house tidy and looking attractive. I have to do it all. Yeah. Human giver syndrome. It's real. I like to make it the acronym HUGS, which isn't (laughs) quite an acronym, but it makes it like a more appealing thing to think about. If you're like, HUGS, I'm drained. (laughs) Hugs are also something you give, huh? Yes. I I like to think it's mutual. 
I should stop making up my own vocabulary and get back to the book's vocabulary. (laughs) Uh, Lauren wrote in to say, I agree. The bikini industrial complex is real. And that's one of the terms introduced in the book. Uh, Lauren says, throughout my life, it's been made clear, both overtly and covertly, that I have an obligation to be skinny and pretty for the people around me. Yes. <sighs> Loved that part of the book where it's not only like a force in the media, but it's like it's something we have to like live up to for others in a way. Ugh. And it's so well put, so well defined. It's so nice to read something that like hits the nail on the head about something that like secretly runs part of your life or part of your brain. Mm-hmm. So refreshing. Yeah. Especially if, you know, you happen to be one of the people out there thinking like, why am I always on this treadmill of worrying about this, trying to meet this need, and then realizing, oh, it's not just you as an individual. This is something that's bigger that's happening to all of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some of you out there loved the book for diagnostic reasons, but felt that the book didn't offer much beyond that. Let's get to some of those Mm. letters. Marla wrote, I think I have been burnt out for a long time now, and the pandemic has only made it worse. I'm exercising like crazy to burn off the stress, but frankly, I'm fucking tired. I'm going to eat an edible and paint for a while after work, but completing the stress cycle is impossible when more stress just keeps pouring in. Capitalism is a snake eating its own tail, and I'd like to get off this ride now, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is sort of a never-ending process. There's never not going to be, like, stressors in our immediate lives, like stressors from society and capitalism at large. I feel you, Marla. Mm. We should all maybe eat an edible and paint also. (laughs) Like, uh uh-huh. But to move on, Jennifer wrote, I didn't love the book. I bought it when I was suffering from burnout to the extent that I had sought out counseling. I had hoped for more practical steps other than get exercise or hug it out or smash the patriarchy. I just don't think that these are feasible approaches when dealing with severe burnout that is both mental and physical. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah, she agrees. She says, I don't need to spend hours analyzing my inner mad woman. I need to cook dinner for the kids and get the ironing done before I can rest. Where is the practical advice? I was excited to read this book, but did not find it helpful at all. Mm, Yeah. What do you do when you're so burnt out? The sort of like ephemeral burnout advice, like just takes time out of your already busy day. Yeah. And I mean, what she is also getting at is something you and I talked about, Jolento, which is a lot of the things that are causing burnout, it would be great if the book had instructions of like, okay, here's a tip on how to delegate. Here are three things you can do to be, you know, less caught up in trying to do everything. Here are three tips to get other people to do everything, you know. Here's how to actually physically smash a piece of the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) All of those things. That's just in my dream world. (laughs) But yeah, a lot, a lot of the readers felt like a bit unsatisfied or like the book just had a lot of blind spots too. Yes. Um, Beatrix wrote in to say... 
I started reading the book after I saw it on the By the Book poll. I really liked the beginning of the book, especially the theory on completing the stress cycle and tools to do so. After that, it went downhill. What really bothered me was the limited viewpoint for women only. I would love for my husband to learn how to deal with stress, but there's no way he's going to read that book or like it. I believe the book tries too much, but achieves too little. Mm. I mean, yeah, it does hit a broad scope and makes some like... Some promises. Yeah. And Jolenta, you and I both said that in the episode. We're like, maybe the people who need to read this book aren't women. (laughs) Well, yeah. I was like, I just wish I could, like, force this reading assignment on men. Yes. Yes. Natasha says, just finished listening to the episode, and I am so thankful that Kristen pointed out the constant name dropping of white people and cartoon characters. I read this last year, and as a queer woman of color, I felt like the authors were always talking around me, not Mm. to me. Their examples just weren't relatable or engaging for me. Not that every book needs to cater to me, but I wish the authors would have been more straightforward about who this book is actually for. So well put. I love that around me, not to me. Yes. Yeah. And another listener, Meredith, also felt the book was missing a few things. Meredith said, I learned a lot from burnout and much of it applied directly to my life as a white cis stay-at-home mom to small children. However, I think that they overlook the role white supremacy plays in the stress they're describing. Patriarchy absolutely contributes, but I wish they'd get a couple more co-authors and do a second edition that includes an analysis through the lens of white supremacy and the harm it causes to people of color and to white people and everyone. Nice. That is such a good point. I I love how you end that, Merida, saying that white supremacy causes harm to people of color and to white people. I mean, this book would not be, if there was this imaginary second edition you speak of, Meredith, it really would be for everybody because we're all affected by these things. All of us are. Whether we know it or not. Think about that while we take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But when we're back, we'll tackle some feedback you had about how Jolenta, you and I lived by the book. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back with listener comments about burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by Amelia Nagoski and Emily Nagoski. And now let's hear from some people who have very specific feedback for us, Jolenta. Yes, yes, yes. Jennifer wrote in and said, One little beef I had with the episode was that Kristen was often using the word stress. 
almost interchangeably with burnout. They are not the same thing. Burnout arises from long periods of cumulative stress rather than waves of stress or stressful situations that ebb and flow with circumstances. The long-term emotional strain of the pandemic is an example of how burnout arises and stays with us. Ah, good point, Jennifer. And on a related note, Jennifer, you're not the only one who was thinking about that. Uh Uh-oh. Dana wrote in to say, even though Kristen did not specifically say it, most of the burnout she was experiencing in this episode was directly or indirectly related to the pandemic, and Ah. I think we're all there with her. The past two years have been hard, all caps, and I don't think any book written before the pandemic, burnout included, could anticipate or treat what we're all going through now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Such a good point. Yeah, I mean, everything really was directly or indirectly related to the pandemic, right? Yeah, I didn't really think of it then, but obviously, duh. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I clearly was not acknowledging it, even though I was coming right out and saying, like, being on a plane with people who refuse to keep their masks on, that's upsetting. Getting on a plane for the first time in two years. Why right. has it been so long since I've been on a plane? Oh, because of the pandemic. Yeah. Why do you have all of this extra anxiety around things like you're normally pretty okay with doing the pandemic? Yeah. Usually getting on a stage does not make me as nervous as that did. But it's because I was at a conference surrounded by lots of people during a pandemic and I hadn't done right. that in so long. So yes. Y- yes to all of that, Dana. You are right. I wasn't saying it out loud, but Definitely, the pandemic was just woven through my entire two-week experience. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This next letter comes from Stephen. Yes. Stephen said, I was just listening to Jolenta's strategy of saying good job when completing an exercise set. It's not far off from what I do. I track, well, everything, but mostly yoga and weightlifting in my bullet journal. But I only track that I showed up to do it. I consider it a win if I show up. And I have a count of how many yoga sessions I did in the last year. 249 to be proud of. Wow, Steven. Steven. That's incredible. You have me beat by about 245. (laughs) (laughs) Steven, I just love the strategy of you don't keep count of individual things you do during each session. You just say, I showed up. I showed up. Oh, my God. I love that. I feel like a lot of us, that would really take a load off to just be able to congratulate ourselves for showing Mm -hmm, up. mm -hmm. And not everything has to be perfect. Not everything has to be done to completion. But just showing up, I love that. That's so great, Stephen. I love that. Having the intention, like putting in a bit of effort, like that's all you need. Not like putting in 100% perfect effort and nailing it. That's the only way you get to check it out of your boojoo. Also, Stephen, love that you're using a bullet journal. Yes. I'll start doing what you do in mine. Ooh, mm-hmm. look at that. Steven, you're like Jolenta's new self-help author. She's just doing what you're doing now. Look at that. I'm just going to copy Steven now. <laughs> Steven, keep writing to me. <laughs> uh, well, we also got a little bit of uh, feedback, Jolenta, that was uh, less glowing maybe. So what? Sky wrote in to say, I've moved away from loving this podcast in the last year. I think the host should realize that most husbands aren't as enlightened as theirs, and all of the ways they relate to stress are reflected in that. In my case, it's so bad that I sought out therapy, but the therapist told me I should just be glad my husband helped out as much as he did. 
Okay, oh, Sky, Sky, your therapist sucks, by the way. Right, I would be like, Sky, second opinion, to be honest. I know it's a pain in the ass and sometimes, like, costs money, but, like, that's not okay. No. I don't like that the therapist said that. Also, Sky, first of all, the reason, at least mine, is is where he is, is because of, like, years of couples counseling. Um, and... I'm not trying to, like, brag, but, like, luckily we live in a city with, like, many resources and professionals. But I go to, like, a good couples therapist, and she's, like, very much trained in, like, couples. And she's pointed out a lot of therapists that aren't actually trained in family and marriage counseling. Like, we'll put couples on their resume. Almost every therapist puts, like, couples on their website. But what you want to look for is like an LMFT, someone who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. They have been trained to work with couples or like more than one person on an issue specifically. And that that can help. Not saying you went to a bad therapist or like that person didn't say they were trained in that, but like that fucking sucks. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. And I'm sorry, like, our husband's stories make you not feel seen. But I, I put in some work in mine. I don't know about Kristen. <laughs> I just think every dynamic's different. I'm sure that in my relationship, people would say that I'm not a very good wife, you know, because <laughs> Dean does a lot of the things that uh, women I know who carry most of the mental load in their relationships, uh, you know, who feel that they have to do all the housework and the planning and all of that stuff. Dean does that. So I'm actually the crappy husband in this situation. Right. I, I am. It's me. I admit it. I am that person. But if the therapist that Dean found for you guys was like, you should just be happy Kristen does anything, I'd be like, Dean, new therapist, stat. <laughs> yes. 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 I'm sorry, Sky. That was a long one, but like, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. And I'm sorry that therapist didn't help. And I'm sorry we haven't helped. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Kat. Kat wrote in to say, I love me some Kristen Angelenta. They are 100% fabulous at this pod and the perfect people to run it. And I don't want to make it seem like what I'm about to say means I don't think they're fully capable of providing thorough insight into all the books they live by. But there have been a couple books burnout being the most recent, when I wondered how a parent might make use of the advice in the books being lived by. As a mom with an inflexible job schedule, my life is very different from Kristen and Jolenta's. Ah, uh, yes. You're right, Kat. You're getting at two different things there. One, mm. the inflexible job schedule. That is totally a big deal. I, I most of my life, as Jolenta knows, uh, worked that kind of job. Starting mm -hmm. at age 18, I was working 60 hours a week, and it was like full-time nine to five during the day, and then my job at night, and that was most of my life. That was When I met Kristen, she was working in live radio. Like, you can't, like, show up late to that. Yeah, 5 a.m. call time, everybody. Like, <laughs> you gotta be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was my life for most of it until we went freelance, until three years ago when Jolent and I went freelance. I get it. Like, That's until really Kristen hard. was forced to go freelance, honestly. Yes, forced to. I did not want to. I was forced. But also, uh, dealing with very, very, very young kids at home, Jolent and I, we, we've said this before and we'll Cannot just say relate. it again. I'm sorry. We've both been nannies before. We know it's really, really hard. We're not going to pretend to say we know what it's like to be the I parent of small say children. I would be capable of like having a job and being like 
at home with toddlers during this pandemic. Like, you're a hero cat. But yeah, uh, with kids, oh my gosh, yeah. Anything Jolenta and I can say about nannying, we weren't nannying during a pandemic. And the young kids that we were in charge of were not, you know, our own kids. So no, I got to leave them at oh, night. Gosh. Yeah. Oof. And Kat isn't alone, you guys. A lot of you on our Facebook community wanted to talk about how different our experiences would be if we had kids. Oh, yeah, I wish yeah. we could listen to the parallel universe by the book and find out for sure, but <laughs> we can't. We don't yes. have the technology yet. Not yet. Allie says, can you experience burnout without kids? Yes. But with kids, it's different because these little humans are depending on you and there are no breaks. They take all of your free time. They need you constantly. They're expensive. Pre-parenthood me had absolutely no idea how completely life-consuming having kids would be. I have many, many privileges and can only imagine how hard it would be if we couldn't afford to have my husband not work and take care of the kids. But even with the privileges I have, it's completely overwhelming all the time. And I have a full-time job on top of that. It is so much. Yeah, that is a lot. I feel burnt out just trying to empathize. Yes. But what was interesting is that not everyone thinks a parent's point of view would add that much to the conversation. Jessica said, I actually love this podcast because it's by two women without kids. As someone who is not currently a parent and with no plans to become one, it's really wonderful to have some representation in a world that predominantly caters to the idea that being a parent is the default. It makes me feel really seen and thought of. And notably, Jessica, you're not alone. Some of the parents out there agree with you. Carrie, for example, wrote in and said, I actually do have kids, but I have found increasingly that I'm irritated by material that only caters for the fact that I'm a mother, not the million other facets of my womanhood. It feels diminishing at times. I love my kids. I love being a mother and a wife, but those things are only a part of who I am. And someday those kids will live their own lives. I refuse to get lost in the process, so I really appreciate having content from the other direction, like by the book. Oh, that's so nice. What a nice little note to leave you on while we take another quick break. Uh, But when we come back, you guys are going to be so surprised. We'll hear from one of the authors of Burnout. And, of course, we're going to announce next week's book, so obviously stick around. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, we are back, and... 
You'll never guess what happened. One of the authors of Burnout amazingly and ever so graciously popped into our private Facebook group this week to share her thoughts on our episode. Yes. Emily Nagoski wrote in and said, Hey, friends. Back in 2019, right when Burnout came out, Amelia and I spoke to an Irish journalist who said, Do you know the podcast by the book? And I said, I've been listening for ages. And she said, I love to hear them live by this book. And I said, me too. And now it's happening. And I'm excited. (laughs) No book can be for everyone. And I'm sorry, Kristen and Jalenta were underwhelmed. But I loved hearing Jalenta be kind to her Lindsay and redefining winning. And Kristen rewriting her talk to make it more personally meaningful, and then getting a big old hug made me cry. Both are exactly the kinds of outcomes we hope for as we wrote. One quick fact check. I totally panicked at the feeling that we were overwhelmingly mentioning white people. So I did the exact same exercise as Kristen, counting every person we named, whether we talked about them a lot or just use their name to lighten the mood, I got 26% people of color, which is about the same proportion as the U.S. population. Also, I'm not sure how our books seem to be mostly for or about mothers. Neither of us is a birth mother. Amelia is a stepmom. Also, the first sentence is, this book is for any woman who has felt overwhelmed and exhausted by everything she had to do, and yet still worried she was not doing enough. Well, Emily, uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for writing in. This is such a gracious letter. It's got such a generosity of spirit. You are cheering for us. You're listening to what worked or didn't work for us, but you're also, you know, trying to issue some corrections. So we just think this is a lovely letter. I would be so fucking defensive. If someone (laughs) lived by our book or had a thought, like, I get so defensive. I am so amazed at your ability to, like, just communicate and be, like, lighthearted. Thank you so much for getting in touch. We're so happy that, like, authors listen. Yes, we are. I did, however... Jolent, if it's okay with you, just want to respond to a couple of things that totally. Emily says at the end of her letter. So um, she says that 26% of Americans are people of color, but actually, according to the 2020 census, over 42% of Americans are people of color. So I think that's why I felt the book was erasing me, because 42% is a lot more than 26%. Right, right, right. That's almost uh, half. Yeah. And then... Um, As for the impression I got that the book was primarily for mothers, here's just one sentence from Chapter 7 that gave me that impression, which I also brought up in the main episode. Here's the sentence. Let's Uh look at the typical American woman's week, assuming she has a full-time job, a spouse, and two young children. And that's just one of many examples I found in the book. I'm not going to read them all to you. But that Mm -hmm. was the one that really stuck out to me. I'm like, is that a typical American woman, somebody who has a spouse, a job, and two young children? But I, I will own up to the fact that 
maybe I should have just read that first sentence over and over again in the book where it says the book's for everybody. For everyone. Maybe I should have gone yeah. back to that. But I yeah. sort of assumed that part was almost like referring to like the like American dream where you still are like married and have like 2.5 kids and a dog. And like now the American dream has folded in like the woman also has a full time job. But that was like my mind doing like a bunch of extra work. So who knows? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that first sentence, that's on me for not taking that as the overall thesis statement for the whole book. But I just kept tripping over those other sentences throughout the mm. book. Like, it's for mothers. This is what a typical American is. She's a mother. But then again, we've heard from so many parents who are like, you don't understand, like, true burnout until, like, yes. you've got to do all this on no sleep because, like, there's someone literally feeding off your body. So, yes. Who yes. knows? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Either way, Emily Nagoski, thank you so much for writing in. We are so appreciative that you took the time. Thank you so much also to everyone else who wrote in. We're always so happy to hear from you. And remember, you can share your thoughts and stories on our private Facebook community that is super, super active. And it's facebook.com slash groups slash Pod. And now, Jolenta, mm -hmm. it's time. It's that time when we announce next week's book. Oh, my goodness. Our next book is... Bum, ba, ba, -dum, ba, -dum, ba, -dum, ba Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. But what if I don't like doing things the easy way, Kristen? What if I like my bad habits? And what if I prefer to do things more on a cellular level and not an atomic one? <laughs> Listen next week to find out. And that's it for this mini episode of By the Book. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, but mostly our amazing production team at Stitcher. Thank you, Daisy Rosario, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, and Marcus Ham. Thanks also, of course, to Nate Wyda. He composed our theme song. And thank you to the Rizzos who performed our theme song. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've read Burnout. Also send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is kristenangelenta at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at By the Book Pod. We're also at By the Book Pod on Instagram. See some pictures. <laughs> and reminder, we love it when you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to the show. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people be dazzled by what is this show with 4.5 stars on average. So, yeah, do that for us if you have a moment. And also tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Stitcher. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.